Elvis, 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 Step right up, folks. Step right up. Don't be shy. Gather around and lend your ears to another episode of Elvis Has Left the Movies, the podcast where we go through all 31 feature-length motion pictures of the one and only Elvis, Aaron Presley. I'm your host, Matt, and I am joined, as always, by Morgan. Morgan, what are we watching today? We're watching Roustabout. We sure are. Womp womp. Uh, so Roustabout is an okay movie about Elvis being somebody in a, in a carnival for real this time and not as part as a fever dream on his trip to Mexico, which is fun. Um, well, see, no, that was a circus. This is a carnival and there's a big <laughs> yes, difference. They make a point. Yes, I know. There's a big difference between the circus and the carnival. So the point is the movie is not very good, but it's also not very bad. It, it's watchable and, and you can get through it. There were a lot of, like, unlikable characters for me in this one. So getting through this movie wasn't always a chore, but when it was, it was because of a couple of key characters that I was just like, man, I just, I don't want to watch a movie about a guy acting like a fucking asshole for no reason all the time. It's one of those frustrating, yeah, Elvis's character is Mr. Puts off a tough front and he just can't say how he feels and it just goes on and on and on. So, so lame. It's like, ugh. We're back to the old format, though, of like introducing Elvis as a stage performer and using that as a pretext mm-hmm. for his songs, which I think makes sense and is is fine. But like the the whole concept of he's just a tough on the outside kid who needs to soften up is getting really old for me. I know. I'm, ki- I'm kind of over it at this point. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, he's a tough guy, whatever. Do something interesting. Why can't why can't he actually be a trapeze artist in this one? You had a really great opportunity to show this movie nah, just nah, a nah. straight face where he's a fucking trapeze artist and he actually just drops his brother and the whole rest of the movie is just about that. I think that would have been a fucking way better movie than... Uh, than roust about make elvis the alcoholic who rigged up a, a ride wrong yeah. and it killed like a few people and then yeah which is a that's thing right. that's in this movie that's in this movie there's, yeah. there's there's a few yeah there's a few more shades of like darker stuff there is compared yeah. to what we've had recently but it doesn't really help it be yeah. more interesting it well because and because they deal with those issues in such a capricious sort of way like they're like yeah he's an alcoholic just like everybody else that you know in your family who's probably an alcoholic or whatever so anyway moving on like they never they never have like a if you're gonna be a slapstick about it you may as well go full force and be like his alcoholism is cured because he's a good guy now but they don't even do that they don't even have the effort to do that they're just like "Mm, he's an alcoholic whatever just kind of shitty i know like they, they they had an opportunity to there was a really great scene where like the the wife comes up to him and and he's like i know what you're really thinking and she's like well that she's no, they're not don't. married oh uh his whatever the hell he is whatever his boss the point is he's like yeah, i know you're thinking i'm just some loser who killed some people on some ride because i'm an alcoholic and she's like there's nothing you can do about it so you gotta let it go man and i thought that was pretty poignant like considering the the context but they just didn't stick with it and they didn't drive it on home and they hate us they hate us they don't like us anymore 
they they're done with us as consumers of their product they like you're starting to really see that they're like we don't give a shit about you we're just here to take your money and have a good time give elvis somebody to slobber over maybe i'm being a little harsh <laughs> i can never tell yeah it's, it is hard to tell <laughs> uh we're back at paramount yeah so hal wallace who if you recall is the one who pretty much got this I whole remember. thing started with his dang contract with paramount so this is actually movie number seven out of nine Paramount Pictures. So we've got two more. And actually, there's no more Paramount after those two. Good. They all suck. That's not true, though. Wasn't... W- 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 Fun and Alcapoco is a Paramount uh, picture. Remember, it's, it's well, about the director. It's not the studio. Look, I like Fun and Alcapoco, but it isn't a good movie. So don't let that be the qualifier for me saying that the Paramount films are shit. I was talking about um, Wild in the Country. Was that Paramount? No. Oh. Well... Good. <laughs> yeah. So this came out November 10th, 1964. This is the third of the three 1964 movies. Jeez, that's too many. Three a year, man. It is. It's, it's too many. Yeah, they should have just, they should have done like one a year and made really nice movies or well, not really nice, but you know, nicer. Do you want to do the, the whole plot or I'll, d- I'll say this enough. I really don't. I don't even think we need to do the whole plot and synopsis for this one. I've actually, I did it pretty short this time. I swear. I did it pretty short. Okay. I'll let you do it then. Like literal bullet point, bullet points. All right, let's do it. But I will give the you know the sentences that never actually cover enough. So the synopsis, according to IMDb, is that after a singer loses his job at a coffee shop, which is a tea house, it's not a coffee shop, so strike one, IMDb yeah. writers. Fuck you. Um, you guys suck. He finds employment at a struggling carnival, but his attempted romance with a teenager leads to friction with her father, which is like, once again, sure, the main stuff. Yeah, There's a bunch more sure. going on. Anyways. Okay, let's do this real quick. Elvis is Charlie Rogers. Yes. He's an orphan with a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He works at a tea house. He gets into a fight. Yeah. He gets fired. Yeah. He starts trouble on the road. He gets run off the road. Starts working at a carnival while waiting for his bike to be fixed. Yes. The owner needs money to pay the bank. And there's two ladies that he flirts with. There's the fortune teller and then the daughter of the one dude. Yes. He starts singing and then it's bringing crowds. Yeah. Then this dude is hassling the girl and then he gets in a fight with them. And then that guy loses his wallet and that becomes a plot point and then he finds the wallet. But yes. he doesn't let on that he found it. But then they find out that he was holding it and they get, mad. They get pissed at him. And then he leaves. He goes to the competition. Yep. Only to come back in the last seconds to save the day and everyone's fine with him. They, they do a 180 and yeah. and then uh, the end. The end. See, I did it. That's nice movie. and short. You did it. Good job, Matt. You did it. I'm, I'm proud of you. You're you're growing. Just like that time that I remembered there was a toilet in the scene where the kitty hawks and the people and mm-hmm, the hillbillies mm-hmm. and whatever. So too, you shall flourish in the ways of um, articulating the plot points of Elvis movies. Sure. Congratulations. Cool. Yeah. Aren't you proud of yourself? Always. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, also let's not forget that um, Elvis does karate in this movie. Well, I was going to bring that up. Specifically, he's he's changed up his fighting style officially. Yes. It's not so much the rough and rowdy fisticuffs. This time, he's literally doing like karate moves. Yeah. And then when he beats up those three dudes at the beginning, the third guy, he's like, whoa, that's karate, man. No, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny. I was watching that and Chris and I just turned to each other and started laughing. It was so funny. And also, I want to point out that this is the second movie that features people of color black people yes that's right as actual like actors playing characters and not just as as performers singers 
This is the second one. This is the second movie. This is officially it. So we we had to get halfway through Elvis's movies, all 31 of them, before we were going to find the second movie that had black people. And the first one was Wild in the Country. The black person played a lawyer, was actually really cool, and he had dialogue lines and everything. Mm -hmm. And to see how long it took to return to that form should tell you about the then current state of affairs. And in this one, of course, there's no lawyers. They're all carnies and they set up the rides and stuff like that. But fucking thank God, at least they don't like stand around and be like, uh, that's a right, uh, Mr. Elvis. Oh, geez, uh, no. yes, you're going to you're going to love when I start talking about that actor because he was like an activist as well. And he did a lot of good work. Oh, wow. So get into that. Oh, cool. 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 Um, Who's your favorite actor in this movie? Other than Elvis. Well, you got to kind of give it up for Barbara Stanwyck, who's playing the, uh, Maggie Morgan. I agree. I was just going to say, I don't know what it was. Her performance was just really, really good. She really struck me. Well, that's because she's like a classic. She's like a professional. She's just, yeah. she's like the classiest. And she, this is, this was her like second to last theatrical film. Wow. That's too bad. The same year her final film came out, it was called The Night Walker. She, she didn't stop acting. She went into television after. I'm just saying as far uh... as like theatrical feature films it was this one and then the night walker just like a william nice. castle schlocky fun time cool who was your favorite it was her okay it was that chick yeah she was amazing i really liked her like anytime she was on screen i'm like yeah i'm having a good time now finally <laughs> anytime she was off screen i was like bring back the lady Bring her back. Much like Loving You with Elizabeth Scott. That's right, yeah. We bring in a classic film noir actress. Because mm -hmm. Barbara Stanwyck, probably best known for Double Indemnity in 1944. Oh, that's her. That's her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Didn't even recognize her. I really like Double Indemnity, too. It's one of my faves. Yeah, four Oscar nominations, and she got an honorary award in 1982. That's great. But, yeah, just like it's bringing in like her, and she kind of functions in a similar way as Elizabeth Scott in Loving You. Yes. Where she's got the dude instead of uh, Tex, it's, you know, this drunk guy, this alcoholic. That, <laughs> and they're, except instead of it being like they're divorced, like in that movie, this one they're not in a relation at all, really. Actually, it's, they suggest they it. Suggest they suggest it, but he, they do suggest yeah. It. Her husband passed away and yeah. he doesn't have, yeah, his wife. So they're just kind of two lonely people yeah two lost souls right and for anyone who's watching these movies the 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 way that the crowd would have known that these two people were physically involved with one another is because he keeps his liquor in her house her little trailer right? yeah right so that means he's there and they can't say that on film yet they can't suggest that people can not in these types of movies anyways you need more like actually good movies pretty much anything else being done in the in the 60s yeah but even then there's a line right that people are were still really touchy about the subject of how they portrayed unmarried people in film even even like well into the 70s there wasn't a lot of it like it was starting to filter out because youth in demand has now officially given way over to uh well, soon, anyways, is going to give way over to fucking uh, hippies and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And once once they're out and about, man, once they're, once they're out, they can't get them back in the fucking cage. And then the way people thought about, especially women, uh, single, unmarried, or divorced women changed drastically. And that would reflect on film, but not, not for a little while yet. Certainly not in an Elvis movie. Yes. Because it's all just good girls and good boys, and they do what's right. No sex before marriage here can't have sex outside of marriage that's a sin mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um 
I hated the guy, <laughs> that dude that she was with. I don't know, there's something about, like, I get that he's supposed to be a protective dad, you know, and he's supposed to be, like, rough around the edges, but I just, I remember the time in my life where it was okay to speak to your daughter like she was a fucking asshole, which is what he does in this movie a lot, and that just really grated on me. Yes. It was like, oh, I, I really hate to see that, you know? If like, anything, he does too good of a job. Yeah, like, right? He, it feels like he's in a different movie than anyone else. It does. It feels like he was, like, it feels like he just wandered onto the wrong set. <laughs> Honestly, it's so out of place. And, like, he's a great source of conflict in the movie, mm-hmm. sure, but, like, God... I need to also root for him, you know, and his sad backstory that he's an alcoholic and he killed some people is, is frankly not doing it for me when on the road to recovery, he'll turn to his daughter and be like, shut the fuck up. It's like, I just hate you though. (laughs) Um, the girl was interesting. I like that she was a lot more, you know, a lot of these girls that they, they depict in these movies, they're just kind of like, Oh, I'm playing hard to get because I have to be a good girl and I can't just say yes right away because that would make me a slut. So I got to, you know, put him off for a little bit. But this girl's character was a little more rounded and she was actually more like, no, I'm telling you no because of those specific reasons. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pussyfoot around them. I'm not going to not say what they are and just try to suggest them. I'm going to say to you, like, I'm not that kind of person. I'm that's not what I'm looking for. In a, in a relationship, which a lot of movies, they kind of, you know, hand that off to just kind of deal with it in less serious terms. And I, I'm happy to see that they didn't do that this way because it's getting old. Sure. I just like seeing women who are like driven to actually tell people what they want. <laughs> just have some actual authority over their character. Yeah, the female characters are stronger than like, any of the male characters in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, who, let's move on to the other one. They're the the uh, Madame Mijanou, aka Estelle. Oh yeah, just an FYI, they they Madame Mijanou here is um, a really bad, shitty representation of Romany Gypsy uh, folks, and it's really cringy. Right. Well, lame. she's putting on the accent and everything. Like she's not. Yeah, it's not great though. It's still not great for anyone. To, you know, it wouldn't be. This is a carnival, after all. I know, I know, but still, like, if we're gonna extend the the fucking leaf to every other minority that gets shit on in Elvis movies, we're also gonna extend it to, to the Romany, because <laughs> it's just not it just ain't cool. That's fair. Okay, let's let's take a pause in talking about these people. We'll circle back. All right. Let's just get okay. the music out of the way, because once again, we were not a fan yeah. of the music. Okay, let's do the music. Yeah. Before I get to it, it was boring. I know you say that. I'm just going to say that the soundtrack album went to number one. Jesus Christ, really? And was Elvis's last number one album until 1969. Holy shit. Which was from Elvis in Memphis. That sucks. Yeah, I know. I don't know how. It's really weird. I mean, like I I was saying before too, a lot of these songs sound a lot more like Elvis than they usually do in these movies, that is. Except for usually the, the title tracks, right? Usually there's, you know, something from the charts already right happening but in in this one you know they they sounded less like they were put together by some fucking hodgepodge of weirdos in the background being like i guess elvis can sing this i don't know it says it says he's driving a car so we've got a song for that you know whatever and then this one sounds just a little bit more like elvis was like "Mm, you know maybe i do a little bit of this (laughs) you say that but it It is mostly the same writers 
It's just sometimes I know, but they, they actually... It just sounds like he was more involved, you know, in, in some of the decision-making. Let's give him credit, but I don't think yeah. it's there. Okay. So, yeah, actually, when this soundtrack topped the charts, it was actually one of the shortest-length albums to do so. Wow. The album in its entirety is 20 minutes long. Jesus, that's... And that's 11 tracks. That's that's Elvis's lo-fi hip-hop. Yeah, super EP. weird. EP album. But okay, let's go back. So there's 11 songs. Yeah. Um, they're all bad. I'm just kidding. They're not all bad. Some of them are okay. I like Roust About, the opening title tune. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's functional. There's Poison Ivy League, which is a song he sings that gets all those those preppy dudes riled up and they try to yeah. beat them up. That was fun, but I didn't like the song. Like, no. Musically, I didn't like it, but it, it was fun to watch him dig on college dudes. And as soon as he gets fired, he hits the road and he's he's on his motorcycle he's, singing. He's, yeah. Another movie with Elvis driving something and singing. And he sings Wheels on My Heels. Why do they do that? I don't know. Why do they want to show him driving and singing so much? It's like they feel like they can't just have a shot of him driving off and then like cross dissolve to him arriving where like yeah. you got to show the journey but while he's doing that you can't just have him just driving and not doing anything so he's got to sing I guess. <laughs> I want them to do one of these, except it's Elvis on a vehicle and he's driving, but instead of like Elvis singing, he's thinking about himself singing. So it's just Elvis's like cross dissolved face floating in midair. Like at the end of the Love Me Tender, it's just the, the phantom Elvis <laughs> yes. floating. Yes. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> so yeah, wheels on my heels. Then we get him riding on the Ferris wheel with Kathy and it's a, it's a wonderful world. Yeah. Which... Wasn't there an episode, I'm not going to double check right now, but there was an episode some episodes ago where we mentioned that one of the alternate titles was supposed to be like, it's that, but it wasn't. But now they've decided to use it anyways, I guess. Yeah. Weird. Then we get into the real like, hey, did you know this movie is about a carnival? Because there's both, it's carnival time. Yeah. And then the next track is Carney Town. Yeah. And then he gets his two, like, you know, headlining the carnival uh, numbers under the tent. He's singing One Track Heart and then Hard Knocks. Yeah. Uh, Hard Knocks, I know. That's, I remember Hard Knocks. Then when he goes to the rival carnival place, he sings Little Egypt. Yeah, that song fucking sucks. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, it's bad. There's a bunch of burlesque dancers get up on screen and put on culturally appropriate yeah i was gonna say should we to our condolences yeah. to uh, the egyptian people because once uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're getting a bad rap here too all the just stupid oh, like so shitty you know what part about that i didn't like i didn't like the part where the whole song elvis is singing oh she's so sexy she's so fine oh my god i love her coochie whatever the fuck yeah, yeah. Coochie, uh-huh, coochie. so good and then he's like everything's good now because i just put seven babies up in her and she does the shopping and that's it for her now and it it was just like a really weird turn of events for that song where they're like talking about usually when they talk about a lady being like all like sexy and fine they're like yeah it's so great she's a independent lady all sexy and fine but in this one they're very like and then I gave her seven kids, and now all she does is do the groceries and the cleaning. Ha <laughs> ha! Got him! <laughs> it's just fucking weird. Very bad. Yeah. No, not good. Skip that part. And then the last two. Big Love, Big Heartache. I did like that one, I think. I think I remember that one. No, I didn't like that <laughs> one. I didn't. It was fine. It was okay. It wasn't one of the worst ones. And the final number, which I'll get into it, it's, it's all done in one take again. And it's a pretty elaborate, big old, lot of extras. So I was like, oh, yay, okay, we're done. <laughs> uh, 
there's a brand new day on the horizon. Yes. Yeah. Lame. And the only other thing I need to mention is that before settling on Roustabout mm-hmm. as the title track, there was an alternate version with different lyrics called I'm a Roustabout. This one was written by Otis Blackwell and Winfield Scott. Hmm. So, I don't know, track that one down. Well, the only thing that I have to say about this anymore is that there are some little people in this movie, and they're mean to those people as well. And in the final number, Elvis picks up one of the little people and, like, hands them off to somebody else. And I just want to let you guys know, I have it on good account, that that is a not good thing to do. To anyone. Doesn't matter what their stature is. Don't just pick up people. Yeah, don't pick people up. God, the amount of times I'm I'm like he's a, picking kids up too. He's picking up children. Those aren't your kids, nuts. Elvis. Stop it. No, I'm not a little person, but I'm sh- I'm very small, and people pick me up. Like people will pick me up, and they'll just be like, "I'm just gonna pick you up because you're so small." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah." Anyway, let's talk about Elvis again. <laughs> let's go back. Alternate title, only one for this movie was gonna be "Right This Way," folks. That would have been fine. I mean, yeah. Gets the, you know. I, probably, I might have liked that better, to be honest. I think the only thing you lose is that you don't have a title track if you do yeah. that. Yeah. Like, you know, so far, the majority of the title tracks on these movies have been bad. So I'm not going to lose sleep over it if... <laughs> That's fair. So um, we got the alternate title. We got the songs. We talked a little bit about the characters. Shall we jump back to those characters? Yeah, let's do it. You know what? Actually, no. Let's do the screenwriter. Let's talk about the people who wrote this. Okay. So, Alan Weiss. Yeah. There he is again. Here he is. For those keeping track at home, that's Elvis movie number four out of six that he's involved with. Damn. So he, he should stop. <laughs> well, he will in, after two more. <laughs> he has the story by credit, and as well, once again, he's a co-writer of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Now, the other writer... Yeah, who is he? ...is named Anthony Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Mostly worked in TV. He's got six... Man, so nice. They named him twice. <laughs> You're going to do that every time we have someone. I'm going to do That's it every cool. time. All right. <laughs> Anthony Lawrence, 60 credits, mainly TV. He wrote three Elvis films. Okay. So there's two more coming I up. I swear to God, if you tell me that he wrote shit for The Flying Nun, I'm going to fucking slap you. No, no, I'm not. No, okay, there's no okay. Flying Nun connection this time. Oh, You're safe. There's no West Side Story connection. There's That's no mentioning Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> I, there's Jimmy Dean, James Dean. No, like, I think we get one Marlon Brando shout out. Okay, that's not so bad. Yeah. So tell us about Anthony Lawrence. Three Elvis films. So two more coming up from this guy. Okay. But interestingly enough, he wrote the screenplay to the 1979 TV movie Elvis, which is the movie that John Carpenter directed starring Kurt Russell. Oh, weird. Which was like the first, after Elvis's death, only two years after his death, that was like the first major Elvis-related property, like detailing his life and stuff. I don't know what authority this guy had to write that screenplay more than anyone else. I mean, he wrote this and two other yeah. movies. Like, <laughs> strange. Maybe they just pulled them out of a hat. Seems to be the ongoing thing for all of these films and all of this industry. Oh, yeah. Wait till we get to all the actors that are in this because there's a bunch of connections again. Okay. All right. Mostly all this stuff at the tea house at the beginning, interestingly enough. Yeah. Did you ne- recognize any of those people? I didn't. That's fair. Yeah. Morgan's <laughs> never looking out for this, so it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm looking out for the the karate chops and the, you know, I'm looking for the dumb shit. I just want to dig in. Oh, wait. You just reminded me that we I didn't we didn't bring it up, but there was actually no fisticuffs in Viva Las Vegas. Oh, One that of the, is true, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that movie was so short, they couldn't fit every trope that they usually do, so. I mean, let's be real, though. The real fisticuffs was between him and Anne Margaret. Yes. That's where the real battle took place. 
That's where the real brawl came came out. It was on the stage instead of being in the ring. Yeah. And like Kissing Cousins, there's only that part where he like wrestles with himself, I think. There's no like actual punch him ups that I can Yeah. Remember. But it, now it's back in full force. He's doing his karate. <laughs> just karate <laughs> chopping these these fools. God. And getting on his motorbike with his sweet leather jacket and just driving off because he's so cool. <laughs> I'm a lonesome cowboy and I take the highway the way the highway takes me. Exactly. So that was with the writers. Yeah. And then what happened? The cinematographer. Yeah. What his happened? name Lucien Ballard. Oh. He was the cinematographer on The Killing from 1956, which is a Stanley Kubrick movie. Oh. The one where it's that heist at the racetracks, like a horse racetrack. Right, 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 Where right. everyone takes on code names. That's where, like, the Mr. Blue and Mr. Blonde and stuff from, like, Reservoir Dogs oh. reference to The Killing. I see. And as a connection to Kissing Cousins, he was the cinematographer on The Parent Trap from 1961. Oh. I brought that up when we were talking about the split screen doing, like, yeah. twins. Interesting. Also the cinematographer on 1969's True Grit. Oh, cool. So, like, a lot of <laughs> returning things we've mentioned before. And 69 was a good year for him because he also did The Wild Bunch. I see which is the Sam Peckinpah Western. So that was like, those were the two big hit Westerns of 69 that kind of like showed the changing landscape. The Wild Bunch is the one that ends with that big like shootout with like miniguns and a lot of slow motion and just like squibs, just like, it was like the most violent like finale they'd had (laughs) for a Western up to that point. I don't, I I don't even know about it. Okay. Well, Sam Peckinpah is the Wild Bunch, big influence on John Woo and the way he would do shootouts. Oh, really? That's so fabulous. So. I love that. Gosh, you know, I was thinking about John Woo last night Mm -hmm. because I was just thinking like, man, there hasn't been a really good movie where like a guy picks up two pistols at once and shoots them both at the same time. Like there hasn't been a movie like that in a a really long time. Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) He was Oscar nominated for a 1963 movie called The Caretakers. Yeah. And he did the cinematography on Elvis, That's the Way It Is in 1970, the concert documentary film. Oh. Which is interesting. Okay, so he's a he's like, you know, he's like a guy who knows how to do some stuff, right? I guess. So how come this movie looks like balls? Let me ask you that. Huh? If he's so great, how come this movie looks like shit? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm being, I'm being harsh on purpose. Um, I mean, it looked fine. Yeah. It looked fine. I guess they didn't pay him enough. I mean, they're always know. under time constraints. They, sh- they shoot these things pretty quick, yeah. too. So there's well, definitely, course, you don't yeah. have the time to set things up. Like I said, I, guess so. I was actually surprised that we got that big, long shot at the end. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, that looks like the, I mean, maybe they just did the first take. I don't know. Because, you know, Elvis is singing it and like, it's not, the sync isn't like especially good because he's got to do all this other stuff. Yeah. And you know. Also, I noticed that when they kiss in the end, he doesn't actually kiss her. He like, he just kind of yeah, like puts he's his like, face into her like neck. they're like, like fake necking yeah like you do and yeah like, it's not i don't know it's not real it's hmm, strange well they weren't married yet like so that... they had to keep oh, it clean right, <laughs> they had to right, keep it clean right. of course yeah otherwise you know that counts as losing your virginity mm-hmm. if you kiss people before marriage so okay that's it for the cinematographer okay i'm gonna finish with the director yeah new guy we haven't had him before okay that's exciting john rich okay 90 credits mainly tv yes so much mainly tv that he only directed five feature films yeah. everything else was that on explains, for tv i that, that i think that like kind of explains the the look of the movie a, a bit better yes. too like when you get a lot of tv directors and there's a style for setup mm-hmm. that is quick to put up quick to tear down and 
you know, doesn't take too, too much effort, but it comes across in the framing and the way things look. So sorry for shitting on the cinematographer. It was the director's fault. Yes. It wasn't even really his fault. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like he did something bad. It's Colonel Tom Parker's fault. Can we just, yeah, it's we just Colonel blame, Tom Parker's it all goes fault. back not, to Tom Parker. You know, yeah. It's got nothing to do with the artists. They're, everybody's got to make a living, you know. Some of us draw furry porn. Some of us draw fine art. And man, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I could draw furry porn. You make a lot of money in that shit. Oh, yeah. I want to be... Okay, wait. Hold up. Hold up. Hold yep, up. Go I, got ahead. It. I got it. I got it. Elvis films are to movies what furry porn is to illustration. That's my big concept. I think that's pretty succinct. Uh, I guess that works. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So uh, we're talking about the director and... TV work. TV work. 81 episodes of All in the Family. So yeah, sitcom oh. stuff, you know? Jesus. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. two episodes of The Twilight Zone. Oh. Interestingly, both episodes, pretty famous for having like items that give a... So specifically, A Most Unusual Camera from 1960, mm-hmm. which is famously the one that the camera takes pictures and they show you the future. Oh. And the other episode is a kind of stopwatch, which is the one where it stops time. Yeah. So they're both specifically episodes about items that grant the user an ability and they abuse it because they're the people are bad and then they get their comeuppance in the end. Right. Interesting. That Those are the only two he did and they're both so very thematically similar. Right. That's, that is interesting. But here's the most interesting thing of all. Okay. <laughs> so John Rich teamed up with Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler mm-hmm. Fonzie. Okay. In the 1980s, John Rich and Henry Winkler formed a production company called Henry Winkler John Rich Productions. And together, they produced MacGyver. Oh, I didn't know he produced MacGyver. And MacGyver was, of course, done for Paramount Television. Oh, so. cool. Huzzah, we're done with all the director, cinematographer, and writers. Done. Yeah, we talked about Barbara Stanwyck, who owns the carnival. And the, the, the like front gates of the carnival, it says, like, shows, Morgan shows. Yeah. We had a kick out of that. And then I like I saw it in the movie and I couldn't just stop thinking it like shows Morgan shows like you're like pointing <laughs> to something and showing someone because it's weird just written out like that. It is weird. Yeah. Um, Joan Freeman, who plays Kathy. Yes. Who is she? Kathy Lean. Their last name is Lean, which is weird because the dad is named Jolene. 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 <laughs> yeah. So Joan Freeman is Kathy. Yeah. She was in a 1965 movie called The Rounders. That had Glenn Ford and Henry Fonda. Mm. But interestingly, she played Mrs. Jarvis in Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 1984. Oh. And then the dad yeah. is played by Leif Erikson. And you're saying, wait a minute. Is, isn't that like it, the name of that Viking? What Viking? There's a famous like 11th century Viking named Leif Erikson. He was like an explorer. Oh, I didn't know that. Like historical figure. And so. Oh, isn't that that picture that you see floating around sometimes? That guy and he's like in a big fucking coat and. <laughs> Maybe. That's a very sparse description, but okay. maybe. Potentially. You heard it here first, folks. It is confirmed. But he was born William Wycliffe Anderson. I can see why he changed his name. Yeah, he's like, no, let me get a sweet Viking name. That'll be my yeah, stage name. Leif Erikson. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting connection. Okay. He plays Dr. Victor Quimby in Waikiki Wedding in 1937. Okay. And Waikiki Wedding is the movie that they wrote Blue Hawaii for. Oh. Bing Crosby originated the song Blue Hawaii. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Sorry to disappoint you. I didn't fucking know that. Luckily, Elvis Presley's cover of it became 
just as famous and maybe eclipsed Bing. So yeah, well, certainly Bing's not remembered for Blue Hawaii. He's remembered for White Christmas. Yes, he's got a couple other songs actually that were really good, but don't listen to them for reasons we've already established <laughs> on multiple episodes yeah. prior. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna move on to Suan Langdon, who plays Madame Mijenu, aka Estelle. Yeah, the other lady. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of have like a. Two ladies vying for Elvis, but he's actually just... It's the same thing, right? There's the good girl and the bad girl. And the bad girl, she's like, oh, I'm into it. So Elvis, you come on over here. And he's like, oh my God, that's so spicy and good. But then his heart is moved by the tender fucking virgin. Uh... So I'm just so over the trope of like there's there's women in movies with I don't know I don't think you're gonna make it to the end of this podcast I doubt myself more every week uh, shouldn't you just be numb to it by this point you know, like what's wrong with the bad girls she just wants to get it on she just wants what's wrong what's so wrong with a lady wearing a red dress wanting to get it on is that the most fucking sinful thing in the whole planet? That Elvis has to go fucking take a hike out into the midnight moonlight fucking Riviera, question his morals, and join a fucking different marching band, and eat shit all day? Like, come on, man. He could have just got it in. It's that easy. Fuck. <laughs> I'm done. You can't rewrite the movies. I know, it just makes me sad, you know? Like, fuck, I bet, I fucking bet Estelle's better in the sack anyway. She looks like she knows a thing or two, you know? Remember, men, if she's your equal, she's a slut. That's the message. That's the message you're trying to give me. Just makes me angry sometimes. Unless you're Anne-Margaret. Unless you're Anne-Margaret. <laughs> but Anne-Margaret wasn't trying to get with him. Anne-Margaret wasn't trying to put out. She was vehemently against. She wasn't a bad girl. She was a good girl. Until she then, wasn't. Uh, until they got until married. She wasn't. At the end. Yeah, until they got married. Abruptly. Then she was a total harlot. Yeah. Because <laughs> she got married. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. All right, let's just move on. Let's just get over it. Sue Ann Langdon plays Madame Mijenu. Mm -hmm. She appears in one future Elvis movie. Yeah. We'll be seeing her again. Uh -huh. And she also worked well into the 80s. Uh -huh. She plays Esther Bilchik in UHF, the Weird Al movie from 1989. Weird. That movie's great. That's oh, a cult classic. Well, I'll have to check it out. He makes his own TV station, Weird Al, and then he has like a bunch of different... It's like a skit movie almost. Like it becomes like... Right. There's gotcha. there's Conan the Librarian. Oh he God. just like someone you know returns a book late and he just takes his sword and cleaves him in half. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Okay, maybe I'll watch it. Anyways, someday. It's the eighties. Yeah. I'm going to move on to Henry Carver, the character of Henry Carver. Okay. Who's the rival carnival owner? Yes, he's fun. I like him actually. Yes, he was in a previous Elvis movie. I didn't realize at the time. Oh. Which one? And we didn't mention him, I think, in the episode they appeared because he was uncredited, but he played the mechanic in Wild in the Country, the one who owned the garage that oh. Elvis works at. Mr. Longstreet. Uh, the actor's name is Pat Buttram. He did a lot of voice work for Disney movies in the 70s. Oh, really? Yes. Because he does have a very distinctive voice, so it lends itself well to voice work. Yeah. He was the voice of Napoleon in The Aristocats, and he was the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of furryborn. <laughs> yes speaking of furry porn there's there's some weird meme going around on the internet of like robin hood being like all chained up in one of those scenes and like a little kid's watching the movie and he's like i feel weird <laughs> it's really great let's talk about the people that appeared at the beginning in the tea house okay they're schmucks all of them i'm just kidding who are they man well lou the owner the manager of the tea house <laughs> Yeah. It's played by Jack Albertson, who was in Kissing Cousins. He was Captain Salbo. He's back. 
Oh, I did not recognize him. Is the is the waitress lady from another Elvis movie? She was in Kissing Cousins as well. Holy shit! Is she one of? The, is she the leader of the Kitty Hawks? She wasn't the leader, but she plays Jonesy, which I think was one of the other Kitty Hawks. Because we talked about the leader of the Kitty Hawks, and she was like, right, yeah, right, Beverly Powers and all that stuff, right. But yeah, she had the uncredited role of Jonesy in Kissing Cousins, oh. and she also played a waitress in 1962's Cape Fear. Hmm. Brought up before, and then oh my god, don't wait, 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 don't tell me. The girls that they brought in with them are from, it's the same chick from Fun and Uncle Poco? You nailed it. Oh my God. I've, I've, oh my <laughs> God. I have ascended. I have ascended. It's official. You did it. I'm, I'm, I am now Movie Matt. You can call me Movie Matt. Thank you very much. That's my name now. Yeah. Marge, the Tea House waitress, played by Joan Staley. But, and they're just credited as college girl. Like they're uncredited, yeah. but they're. So Terry Hope, who was Janie Harkins in Fun and Uncle Poco. Right. She's the one who right. says, like, I don't know. I think he's pretty hot. I think he's sexy. I like this, too. Um, I like that this scene, she's in a bar, and she's like, I'm over 18, which is kind of funny because in Alcapoco, she's... Yes. The joke is that she's not, and it's the same joke this time, too, that he's not 18. The waitress is like, sure, honey. Because, yeah, this tea house will serve alcohol, and then the waitress even makes a point. She's like, if that light in the corner starts flashing, that means the cops are on their way, so, like, you know, switch to the Coke or just, like... Yeah. Toss the beer. Dump, dump the beer. Dump yeah. the beer. Another one of the girls that's sitting around that table is a young Raquel Welsh who went on to- Oh, really? Yes. Holy shit. Who a few years later will appear in One Million Years BC and with that famous fur bikini there on the poster, which was in Shawshank Redemption. Wow. That's the poster oh, yeah. he has on his cell wall. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And the bigger bully, the prep guy, Yeah. his name is Norman Grabowski, mm-hmm. plays Sam. He was a character actor, but also a hot rod builder. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And say it with me, he's okay. going to appear in a future Elvis movie. Oh my God. I could say that to pretty much every single person who's in this thing. That's it for the tea house people. Okay. I'm going to bring up the main, the like, so there's the scene where there's this guy at the carnival, right? There's the dunk tank, yeah. the dunk tank scene. Oh, we got to talk about that guy and his wife. His I'm not going to talk about the wife. I'm just going to talk about that guy. Okay. Freddie. Yeah. Steve Brody is that guy. That's a name. <laughs> a, a name we've already brought up because he appeared in Blue Hawaii. <laughs> oh. He played Tucker Garvey. Oh. Remember in Blue Hawaii when they're in the like tiki bar and there's that couple. It's a husband and wife. That they fight with. Yeah. He's doing it he again. Looks way different. And it's movie. not the same actress playing the wife. So yeah. missed opportunity not to just like, you know, wow. have them wandering again, causing ruckus. Yes. That would have been fun though. I, I wish they could be that couple in every film. Every Elvis movie where he gets into a fight with somebody, it should be the same fucking guy and his wife every time. That would be so hilarious. They're just going cross country and they keep bumping into Elvis people. And Yeah. Um, Do we get to talk about- Yeah, we put it off long enough. Let's talk about okay. the character of Cody Marsh. Okay. Who's the one carny played by actor Joel Flulin. So he's an actor and an activist for the rights of African-Americans. Very cool. Tell us about him. I just want to mention the one movie, this is where the Marlon Brando thing comes in. He co-starred with Marlon Brando in the 1966 movie, The Chase. Played Lester Johnson in that movie. And he had a pretty long career and varied varied roles and stuff. Nice. So following calls by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People Against the Stereotyping of African-Americans in the Film Industry, Mm -hmm. Flulin tried to get the String Actors Guild to protect their black members against discrimination. Very cool. Unfortunately, the Guild, headed by Ronald Reagan at the time, repeatedly rebuffed his resolutions. Oh, no. And so instead, he became an early member of the Negro Actors Guild of America. They formed their own damn guild. Nice. Yeah. And... 
Along with Francis Williams, he received the first Paul Robson Pioneer Award from the Black American Cinema Society in 1985. Very, very cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm sad that it took this long for black people to come back into Elvis movies. I, I kind of, like, And this is a much was, less significant role than yeah, the lawyer character you know, of the, the country. Yeah. It, like... It's just another way in which we could have had so much more if Wild in the Country had just done better. And maybe we could have had more, you know, but maybe not. Who knows? But yeah, no, it's it's hard to see, right? It's 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 hard to watch sometimes. Like it's not like very hard for me to watch, but sometimes it's just it's difficult to imagine when you're watching old films like that. Unless you're really interested in the subject, you don't understand or see the erasure of people of color until usually you get a little bit older and you're like, where the hell's all the, where's all the black people and the Mexican people and where's all fucking, where's all the rest of the people? Like, where are they? Hmm. Sad. Shouldn't have taken this long. And yeah. when it finally came around, he was a freaking carny, of course. I mean, they're all carnies. The movie takes place at Carnival. I know, yeah, but still. And there was a few other, there was also a few extras in that big crowd shot at the end. I saw a few. Yeah, they were, yeah. Black actors and actresses. There was a few extras, too, in the the front. Like, when they first introduced, a lot of the carnies are are people of color. And then in the ending scene, they actually show, like, a couple of people of color dancing with the crowd and integrating and stuff like that, which was uh, nice, but it's hard. It's hard to... It's hard to say that that's nice, right? The last... Of course, if yes. you're watching all 31 Elvis movies, I'm sure you're not looking for a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. I think we were when we started this podcast. We were like, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. I think that feeling is now like an ulcer that's like forming or something. Yeah, yeah. A... Every week I, get, I sit down and I'm like, time to watch an Elvis movie. <laughs> I wonder who he'll be mean to this time. I wonder what woman will be degraded and sexualized this time. I wonder what person of color is going to be misrepresented this time. And yet you Sorry. still, Sorry. your your expectations are there, and yet you're still disappointed every time, and I don't get it. I know. It's just, just have hope, you know? Everybody don't. in the movies, you shouldn't. Always, you should have dropped it long ago. I know, but they're always smiling and laughing and dancing, and they're, they, they're trying to make it look like it's a good time, and I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe this movie is not going to be so bad, but then it always is. <laughs> And I wouldn't mind if they could just fucking come up with the music a little bit better, you know? Like, come on, why you gotta be? I'm here for Elvis, at least. Fuck. Jeez. We'll see. We'll see. I'm curious when's the next time we'll hit, we'll have a hit. Yeah, me too. Even if none of his albums did good, there must have been a single out of one of these that is worthwhile somewhere. There had to be. There had to be at least, because there's like, wait, there's suspicious minds. Well, that's the thing. That's Um, all post movies. Oh. The majority of his like big time gospel stuff was in the seventies, so that's after he was done making movies. So we might actually not hit. Okay, not dwell on it. Let's just keep going. Last credited role. Okay. Wilda Taylor plays Little Egypt. Oh, okay. She's only got thirteen credits. Obviously, she was mostly a dancer, but she's going to appear in "Say With Me." Another Elvis movie. Two more Elvis movies. Oh. <laughs> Surprise. Good. My expectations have been subverted. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the few uncredited carnival performers. Okay. So the actor with dwarfism, Billy Barty. Yes. I know his scene is lame. Yeah, it is lame. But he's also, once again, we got an activist. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, very cool. He, best known for his later roles in the 80s, he played High Aldwin, the village elder in Willow. Oh, cool. 
Oh. And watch this. He played the character of Noodles in UHF, the Weird Al movie we were just talking about. Oh, shit. But yes, he was an activist for people with dwarfism, and he founded the Little People of America organization in 1957. Very cool. Damn. And in case anyone was curious, he stands three foot nine, which I want to use to compare with, there's the straw man character, which is the one that Elvis hands someone to in that final shot. Yeah. But that strong man is played by Richard Keel, who stood seven foot two. Character actor extraordinaire, he appeared as Jaws in those two Bond movies, The Spy Who Loved Me in 77 and then Moonraker in 79. Oh my God that guy yes oh i i haven't heard of him in a long time holy jeez so he just has an uncredited role as the strongman here but i saw him and i went oh shit richard keel that's great he was also going back to twilight zone he of course famously was the alien in uh to serve man oh gosh i was, I was hoping you were gonna say it was to serve man yes i i i haven't actually seen that episode but there's a song by an artist called LP, mm. who is a, a hip hop artist, and he does a really great remix of the sound bites from that. I think I might have heard that movie. Before. It's like, Doctor, it, it's not, it's a cookbook <laughs> to serve man. It's a cookbook. <laughs> 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 it's really great. Classic, classic stuff. Yeah. Anyways, that's all the actors. Anyways. Oh, wait, no. Cool. Oh, my God. I almost forgot. <sighs> this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. This is it, folks. This is what you've all been waiting for. Oh, my God. So there are a few background dancers when Elvis is doing his uh, musical numbers in the carnival. Yeah. But specifically, I can point her out as being the one. So the part where Elvis is being a dick because he, I mean, which is the whole movie. But there's that part where he takes the towels away. There's the two girls that are showering. Yes. The one on the left. Yes. Her name is Cora. Yeah. So the the actress is uncredited, but that's Beverly Adams. And who is she? Who appeared as the character Lovey Craves It in three of the four Matt Helm movies, including 1967's The Ambushers. Which means that we've now named all four of the Dean Martin Matt Helm movies in this podcast. Jesus Christ, man. You sound like, you sound like, you sound like what the picture of that Sonny in Philadelphia image looks like, where he's like connecting all the red strings and his hair is all crazy. Yes. You sound like the memory of that picture. So we've done it. All four of them. All four spy movies. We caught, we caught them all. We collected them all. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. We That's found weird. it. That's, I was convinced I, that I we just... weren't going to be able to get that fourth one. But then I found <laughs> out that this actress, and Lovey craves it. She plays like, yeah, she's in three of the four. She's a recurring character within those movies. Wow. Kind of like the money penny, I guess, if you're doing like the Bond analogy, but not quite. I don't know. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Before I get into any last noteworthy factoids... I know I like, okay. I, I did it. I, I was very efficient with my plot summary, uh-huh. but is there any specific scenes you want to bring out? Like the part where he goes in the motor dome and rides the motorcycle or something? No, I'm good. That crash when they run him off the road at the beginning. Yeah. That's a net. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that looked painful. I was scared watching it, actually. I know you always are when there's any weird stunts going on in these things. Because stunts back in the days, like people just would die. I know. Like stunt guys would just die. They'd just kill him and they'd be like, ah, that, he died. Which makes this very strange because in the IMDb trivia, and I I edited it in my head, they said Elvis Presley did his own stunts. And I wrote, allegedly Elvis Presley did his own stunts. That's what you're saying. (laughs) I will agree that he's doing most of the motor. He is motorcycle riding when you can see him. But going through that fence was definitely a stunt guy. And I think the like, obviously the whole- Really? 
Well, maybe it was him. I don't know. I think it might have actually been him. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, fucking, is Elvis actually going? Th-? I couldn't tell, anyway. Yes. Like, most of the times you can tell, and this time I really Yeah, it didn't tell. particularly look like a body double. Maybe he went through that fence and did that little spill. Yeah, that was, that was very frightening to me. I don't, I especially don't like to see people, like, crashing things like motorcycles. That can go movies. wrong real quick. Or with horses. Yes. I get really nervous when I see people riding horses, and then the horses, like, goes up, and then it falls back on them. That shit ooh, terrifies ooh. me, because I'm like, that person just died. That person just got killed by a horse. Mm. Watching Buster Keaton actually stresses me the fuck out, because his stunts were so, Oh yeah. like... He's putting his life on the line every time. Yeah, right? Like, that scene where the fucking... The building. Uh, the building falls on him. If he was just an inch in the wrong spot, he would have died. The urban legend says that he had just gone through, like, a... I don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's a factual, but the, the anecdote that I've always heard about that is that the day before or the week before, just recently, he had, like, had a big breakup or something. He was, like, heartbroken and that, so he just didn't care about his life. That sounds like Jeez. just probably hooey. But at the very least, he definitely could have died easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to the screenplay for this movie. Okay. The damn thing was nominated for an award again. God fucking damn it. Screenwriters Anthony Lawrence and Alan Weiss were nominated for the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Written American Musical. <laughs> that sucks. But because this is still 1964, just like Kissing Cousins, which was also nominated, if you recall, they both lost to Mary Poppins. Good. Yep. God, how could they both get nominated? They're sh- they're not very good. Like they're just they're fine. They're functional for what kind of product they are. But Jesus, you shouldn't reward that kind of behavior. I don't know. We can't put our brain. We can't put ourselves in look, 1960. Look, all I'm saying yes. is, if somebody made you a bag of popcorn, but they only popped it for half the amount of time, and then they gave you that bag of popcorn, and then like half of it was just seeds, would you give that person a fucking award? and say, good popcorn? Like, would you really? I didn't know they gave awards for popcorn popping. Well, I mean, they should. If you do it right. I am fantastic uh, okay. at popping popcorn, and I deserve some recognition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, well, here's a fun thing, going back to Elvis and stunts. Yeah. So you remember after the motorcycle crash, he's got the bandage mm-hmm. on his face? Yes. That was actually because he he cut himself while filming the tea house fight. Interesting. And there's another factoid here about speaking of the soundtrack album going to number one, they're saying that's once again a pretty remarkable accomplishment because this was still the peak of Beatlemania. Yeah. So that the that, way that, that is pretty. I, I, I'm I'm in shock because I love Elvis music, and I didn't recognize maybe more than like one of the songs that yeah. was in this movie. And this thing is like, yeah, we said it's like a freaking twenty and minute this long, is like a number one, yeah. I'm just Maybe that had a factor because they were able to like, just like short movies, they can like play them multiple times. I don't know. I don't know. It still somehow pushed past any Beatles album at the time to reach number That's one. That's crazy. That's fucking crazy. I don't know for how long, but it, it at the, po- the point is it cracked the top of the charts at least at one point somehow. Wow. Um, For all you gearheads, I guess, the motorcycle that Elvis rides throughout the movie is a Honda 305 mm-hmm. Superhawk, which is actually- It, it sure is. Yeah, that was great. It's very, it, I like it. It's a really nice motorcycle. You could see it. I think they have it at Graceland in like a little glass case, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. They yeah. kept it, of course. I want to go to Graceland. I know. <laughs> you mentioned. <laughs> Let's go to Graceland, man. Oh, we can dress up as Elvis. I mean, what else are you going to do? Of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait. Oh, I forgot about this fact. I'm glad. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I forget about these things after I write them down. 
So before Barbara Stanwyck took the role of Maggie, they approached Mae West, another like big time oh. famous actress. And this is the best part. This is like so Mae West. I believe this, even though we don't have any proof about this. <laughs> Mae West says she refused the role of the older carnival owner when the studio refused to rewrite the script so that she would appear as one of Elvis's love interests. Oh, that's fabulous. I love She's that. like, oh yeah, okay. So I get to like smooch Elvis, right? And they're like, what? No. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing this movie. <laughs> you know I'd have the best chemistry with Elvis. Come on now. I'm Mae West. Oh, that's, that's so fabulous. So, yes. I love that. I had forgotten about that. Allegedly. So, allegedly, once again. Yeah. Yeah, even the like I'm to be trivia says, according to a fan magazine of the era. Yeah. So like their source is some like some freaking teeny bopper <laughs> magazine. Jesus. But that's so funny. From what I know of Mae West, that sounds right in line. Like the most plausible thing out of any of the things I mentioned. True. Yeah, I believe it. I would have actually yeah, if she had done this movie though, she would have come out of retirement because she hadn't done anything since like nineteen forty three. Oh, wow. She eventually did come back and do two movies in the 70s. She was in Myra Breckenridge in 1970. And most famously, she was the star of uh, the 1978 musical comedy Sextet. Really? Which was based on a play that she herself had written and performed oh. on the stage. And so they made that's, it into a movie. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Imagine being such a baller that you're like, I wrote and starred in this play. And now I'm going to star in the movie about this play that I wrote and starred in. Oh, costumes for Sextet. Well, it's another Paramount picture. They were done by Edith Head, who did the costumes for this movie. Ah, uh-huh, yes. Yes, Edith Head. She back. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, It's actually. just work for hire stuff. She was just under contract with Paramount. Yeah. So none of these costumes have ever been particularly like, ooh-ah-wee. Yeah. We we continue the theme that you brought up in the previous episodes of like, he's wearing a lot of black. Yeah, a lot of black. With like either an overshirt or an undershirt or some kind of accenting color, but mostly all black. Yes. They're styling him as a, as a young kid still. Like he's some young young punk. Especially with like his whole leather jacket on the motorcycle. He's like channeling Marlon Brando in the wild one. And you're like, yeah. Elvis, you're almost 30. Like, come on, this is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's what I was thinking. Let's um, wrap is that, is, it anything up. Anything else? I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm exhausted. Okay, no, let's let's wrap it. Thank you so much for joining well, us. So no final, our... wait, wait, wait. We didn't, final <sighs> thoughts, final thoughts. I know you, well, I mean, yeah. Is there anything else to say? I didn't like this movie, Matt. What else do you want me to say? Well, yeah, yeah. Just wondering. Final thoughts. The movie's not unwatchable, but there are certainly a good degree of movies above this that if you wanted to watch a bad Elvis movie and sit down and eat popcorn and laugh at Elvis movies, I, I wouldn't pick this one just because it's just, it just doesn't hold your um, attention as well as other movies like um, Kissing Cousins, which even though it's like literally stupid, the stupidest movie, it's at least funny and hilarious at some points that you can enjoy in that way you, you can't really do that with this movie this movie plays it a little bit too close to uh realism especially when they do, they delve into like oh my tragic backstory and stuff and you're like oh, yeah really mm, i'm so saying mm. it's like okay i don't care sorry my bad what are we watching next week what are we watching uh we are watching girl happy that sounds bad <laughs> Ooh, will we be happy? Probably not. <laughs> okay, and yeah, 1965 is another three-picture year, three movies in 1965. God, that means they're all going to be shitty. <laughs> well, 
the third no, out of the three. Don't say it. No, I don't want to watch it. Is Harem Scarum? No. <laughs> <laughs> Snuck up on us, no. didn't it? We thought it was so far away, but now it it's here did. we are. I thought it was, yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, anyway. I, I will say that like even though I'm not as looking forward to watching the rest of the movies as I am, I'm still having a little bit more fun now. Just like now that I know what I'm in for, it, it's getting a little bit easier to to trudge through it. Yeah, something definitely happened as soon as we hit the we would pass the halfway mark. Yeah, I'm just going in. I'm like just picking all the. I'm seeing the silver lining in anything. Yeah, that I can find. Yeah, and I'm just coasting on like whatever. Yes, yeah, that's that's. I'm I'm coasting. I'm coasting. Not to say we're phoning this in, and hell no, we're still putting in 110. percent Yeah, this podcast. <laughs> Nothing less. Well. One of us is anyway. <laughs> it's me! Ha It's not me. Big shout out to Matt for making this podcast possible at all by doing all of the work and putting up with me for two to four hours every week. Yes. I harass him. Uh, anything else? I think that about does it. So all right. join us next week, won't you, for yeah. Girl Happy. Yeah. What else are you fucking doing with your life? Probably actually way cooler things than us, but if you could check in on us to just make sure we're still doing okay, we'd really, really appreciate that. So uh, join us next week for Girl Happy, and without further ado, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you very, very much. much.